Liverpool 3 0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. The quadruple is still on as Liverpool soar through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League despite a 1-0 defeat to Inter Milan at Anfield. My name is Luke and I'm joined as always by James to discuss that and all of the ACES Liverpool news. How are we doing, James? Yeah, not too bad. Just a bit of a weird feeling this morning. You're through to the next round, but it just uh, seems to be... Negative comments about the team wherever you look at the moment on social media after last night's result. Yeah, so it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it, really? Um, obviously, as I said in the intro there, a 1-0 loss to Inter Milan in the Champions League last night, but the job was done really in the San Siro with that 2-0 victory away from home. Um, what did we make of the game last night? Because obviously there was no obligation for Liverpool to come out and you know, be really e- eager to try, try and get the win, knowing that you've kind of you've half done the job already in Italy. Um, but I don't think we played too badly, created a lot of chances, just probably wasn't clinical enough on the night. Yeah, I think you've just hit the nail on the head there. I think you, if you look back at the game, hitting the woodwork three times and then Diaz having his shot, I don't know where Vidal comes from because if you watch the replay, he's nowhere near the six-yard box um, when Trent um, whips the ball in. But, I mean, there straight away, there's four chances that Liverpool should have tucked away. Um and I think it was just one of them nights. And I think, you know, these games have been coming for Liverpool. Look at West Ham on Saturday again. It was oh, it was a, a slug and Liverpool had to dig deep to come out of it. And I think just a moment of brilliance from Martinez after a sloppy Matic ball, I don't think gives a fair reflection of the game. I think, obviously, neutral fans and people who are, you know don't follow Liverpool would have seen that result and think Liverpool might have scraped through. But I think Liverpool were in full control of the game. Um, from minute one, really, I just think, you know, as soon as that goal goes in, you start to think, oh, is there a chance Inter Milan come come back? But I felt like Liverpool were in control. And then the substitutions come on, and I think, you know, it's right to bring Naby on. I think Curtis Jones probably had his poorest game for a while in a Liverpool shirt, but you bring someone like Naby on who's quick and, you know, can take the ball and can move it along. I, th- I think that's what made it harder for Inter Milan as, as they were chasing that second goal. Were we surprised by Jones getting the nod in the, in the midfield last night? Obviously, as I said, job was kind of 75% done, I guess you can say, already in Italy. But it's a big game for him, probably the biggest game he's came in. You know, a knockout game, Champions League, under the lights at Anfield. Um, and there were some really senior guys left out, Henderson, Naby Keita, um, etc. So it was a big kind of show of confidence for Klopp to put him in, in the first place. Yeah, I just thought it was, it was strange because, you know, it wasn't, I think we were speaking here last week uh, before the West Ham game. And Curtis Jones hadn't been involved in the last four match day squads. And now all of a sudden he's, he's thrown into a Champions League quarter final against the reigning Italian champions who are still going pretty well in their own league. So I was very surprised by it. Um, and, I, and like I said, I don't think he had the greatest game. I, you can put that down to he hasn't just seen many minutes on the pitch recently. I mean, he came on as a sub against West Ham for 30 seconds and he just put the ball in the corner and that was it. Um, so I don't want to be too critical, um, but I was very surprised. You've even got the likes of Chamberlain, even Harvey Elliott, who you played in the away leg, could have played him in there as well. Um, maybe Klopp's just looking at the rotation because, again, we're, we're playing Saturday and then we've got another game midweek. I think maybe that's just playing on his mind um, a little bit. But, yeah, I was very surprised with Curtis Jones getting the nod. And looking at, I guess, the tie of the two legs, we spoke a little bit already about there's been a few moans and groans on social media from Liverpool fans and even a few 
you know, I think James Pierce wrote a piece in The Athletic today about Liverpool being a bit sluggish. But to put it into a bit of perspective, a couple of statistics um, out there, I think that Martinez's goal last night was the only shot on target that Inter had in the entire uh, entire match. Um, and it's, you know, it's an absolute, like you say, one in a million strike that, that keep can't do anything about, um, puts you under a bit of pressure. But then also, you know, I know a lot of people might not put much stock in expected goals, but I think it's a good parameter for what we're talking about here is that Inter's XG over the two legs was 0.8 and Liverpool's was 3.27. So it's, the chances being created, and, and I think those statistics show that Liverpool over the, those two games were the dominant side, but I guess the scoreline, the aggregate scoreline probably flatters into Milan a little bit. I, I just think that Liverpool came through the group winning all six games. And I think then we've gone to Inter Milan and we've won a seventh consecutive game. And then I think fans, I mean, I hate Twitter fans anyway, but I just think fans are sort of expecting this wave a bit like when we finish second to Man City where Liverpool just ride this wave and continue to win every single game. Um, I think it's going to, you know, that's completely unrealistic. There's going to be slip-ups here and there, but at the end of the day, Liverpool are through. They've got the name into the next round. You know, they'll be in the draw next Friday. Um, I think that's when the draw is. And you're in the quarterfinals. You know what I mean? You're only, what, four games away from a final then? So, I mean, sometimes you've just got to take, you know, a poor result. It wasn't a poor performance. It just wasn't the result that Liverpool fans would have wanted. Yeah, exactly. I think if the chances weren't being created, maybe you could have a bit more, it might be a bit more valid. But, you know, nine times out of ten, Salah's got two goals last night, hasn't he? But as it was, he's at the post. He's at both posts. Um Particularly the first one, he probably should have, you know, absolutely buried. And Joel Matip's hit the hit the bar as well with an absolute <laughs> thunderous header. So there's these little moments, these fine margins in games that could make the scoreline completely different on another day. It's four one, isn't it? Really, but the, the probably the biggest moment of the match last night was the Alexis Sanchez red card. It came immediately after Inter had taken the lead. Um, I think at that point in the game, Inter's tails were obviously up because of the. the they took the lead and, and the manner of the Martinez goal got the, the, the away fans going and Inzaghi on the touchline was going going mad at every decision. But um, what do you think of that talking point? Do you think it, it was um, harsh or, you know, well-deserved? I think he should have been sent off for the first tackle on Thiago. I, I, I don't see how that one was even a yellow card. He's gone straight down the shin on Thiago. So I think he very lucky to still be on the pitch from that one, especially with VAR. Um, the second one, listen, there's cameras all around the pitch now. And I think regardless of whether you've won the ball first, the referees are now, and the, the VAR referees are now looking for how you've come out of the tackle as well. And I, It's on his ankle. It's high. There's no need for him to slide in the way he did. And I, I don't think there's no arguments. I think, the Inter, was it the assistant manager got sent off for Inter Milan as well? He, he he got sent packing at one moment, and then you've got the likes of Vidal and and, and the likes of that crowding the referee. But I often think if it was against, you know, if it was Fabinho doing it to Sanchez and he was on a yellow card, they'd be asking uh, Fabinho to be sent off. So I think he's very lucky with the I think he's very lucky with the first one anyway. So I think if you add the two together, I don't think there's there's many arguments for it. Yeah, I, I, the first one was definitely, for me, a red card anyway. The second one is a bit more 50-50, but completely agree with what you say there, that assessment that he was lucky to be on the pitch anyway, so I'm not going to 
not going to complain too much about it, are we? But on, on a similar note, um, we, we quite often praise European referees on this podcast and when we're kind of berating the British officials, but he had a bit of a nightmare last night, the ref, didn't he? He was pretty awful. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was one of the worst referee in, in the last couple of seasons, I think. Like you said, we've always said, said recently that no English refs have gone to the World Cup. It's all these all the European refs at the moment. But I just think he had no grip of the game. I just think the it's minute not- you let one the minute you let one thing go, or the minute you blow up for one thing, you've got to blow up for it consecutively. And we know what the European players are like. You feel a little bit of contact. They go down on the floor. I mean, the man a yellow card for the for the apparent elbow on. Bastone, I, I couldn't believe it, and then it's it's like the one with Henderson as well. He goes in and he takes a swipe at the ball. Then he gets penalised when he's just been fouled. And yeah, I, I think it was because of the type of game it was. It was both sides because Inter Milan, to be fair, went for it more than they did in the first leg. Obviously, they had to. Um, I think it was more fiery than the first leg. And like I said, if the, the referee gives a foul early on, he's got to then keep up with it. That 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 type of tackle is a foul all the way through the game. And when you've got Inter Milan players jumping around the referee, I think I think it's hard to, to sort of lose track of it. But yeah, there were a few decisions where I thought that's not a free kick. He needs to get up. He needs to stop shouting at the ref. And I think if you book a player for continuously berating you after giving um, a decision, I think that sets the tone for the game. Um, but I just think the Inter Milan players just walked all over him last night. Yeah, there was the one with Skriniar near the end where it was a complete shove on Salah off the ball. Um, and they just played on, I think even the commentators on BT were pretty bemused at that one. But yeah, it's, we don't like to go in too much on referees, but last night I think I think everyone was kind of in agreement that he had a bit of a nightmare. But staying on the theme of Liverpool's attacking form, I guess, in the last... You know, it's a very small sample size, but looking at the last few games, it's not been great in terms of goals scored. Obviously, 1-0 against West Ham, 1-0 loss last night, 0-0 in the cup final. Um, obviously, 2-1 win over Norwich in the cup, but it's, it's a much rotated team. Is it a cause for concern a little bit? Or is it just, you know, quality, you know, is permanent as the, as the, as the phrase goes. So it, it, will, it will rectify itself. I just think it's an overreaction. I think the chances are being created, they're just not being taken. Um, I think, like we, you know, we, we go back to this time last year when Liverpool were in dire straits and were losing four consecutive games at home, and we weren't scoring. It's because there was no chances being created. Mm. Um, at least now you've still got. I mean, Trent and, and Andy Robertson were brilliant again last night. Um, they're always going to create chances. You've got players like Thiago. And I did like, I think, again, Diaz came on and it just added a completely different dimension to the game and how Liverpool play. And I don't think there's any cause for concern. I think if Man City score three games in, in three games in a row, they only win 1-0. I don't think there's any concern. I just think it's Liverpool from when Jurgen Klopp's come in. You're used to Liverpool playing the, the, you know, the rock and roll football, scoring three goals, four goals at will. I think as soon as they just dry up a little bit, I think there's a bit of a overreaction. But you know, it's like I've said to some of my mates since the West Ham game. You know, they said Liverpool got a little bit lucky. 
I'll take them lucky games 1-0 all the way till the end of the season as as long as Liverpool come out on top I'd, I'd much rather win every game 1-0 then to win 4-0 then draw 0-0 then you know what I mean it's it's just one of them isn't it you're just not going to please anyone especially in football it seems like earlier and earlier in the season now we're saying we'll just take the three points we don't care about the performance like we're saying at the start of March <laughs> we were saying in April like because <laughs> of just the relentless nature of Man City and Liverpool having to it feels like anything other than a win every week is a loss <laughs> it's almost from the first game in August it's like just it doesn't matter what the performance is like just want to win <laughs> um, and Mo Salah as well um, he's do you think he's obviously played a lot of football recently African Cup of Nations plays pretty much every game for Liverpool from the start very rarely gets substituted do you think this weekend against Brighton I know we'll go into, into the preview of the Brighton game in a little bit more detail later on but he does look a little bit I don't want to say looks a bit frustrated a bit tired a bit leggy do you think he could do if it's been rotated if not for Brighton maybe for another game in the near future ah I think a player like Mo Salah, I, th- I think you've just got to play them back into form. I mean, we're talking about Mo Salah not being in form because he hasn't scored in two games. It's it is mental, yeah. But... It, it it is. This is I think this is the levels he's he's got us used to. I think. I think it's more as well just the overall perf- the performances particularly because the, the West Ham game. I think West Ham de- dealt with him really well on that on that on that right hand side. Um, and last night in Milan, obviously, while Inter aren't as an elite side, you wouldn't put them in like the same bracket as Liverpool, Man City or Bayern Munich at the moment. They're very well organised and very defensively um, resilient. And they, I think, similarly to West Ham, did quite a decent job on Salah last night. And in the cup final as well, Rudiger, I thought, had quite a good game against him. Um, so it's just been a few performances recently where it's, it's ridiculous to say, but when he doesn't score a goal, it's kind of like fades in and out of games a little bit which is it seems like a mental criticism for you know he's obviously like the best player in the in the league but you know what I'm, what I'm getting at you see that yeah no yeah yeah, yeah I, I, I totally get it I think sometimes Salah's biggest critic you know the biggest criticism of him is is sometimes if he's not scoring or if he's not assisting sometimes you can you can forget he's on the pitch sometimes that and like 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 you're saying, it's mad to think that we're criticising him in, in any sort of way. But I think especially in that West Ham game on Saturday, I think he was he was just trying things that he, he's never done before. I mean, he was trying half volleys with his back to goal at the edge of the box. I think he's just trying to get that goal to get his confidence going again um, and, and to sort of find, like you said, it's mad he hasn't scored for three games and we're on about Kamo Salah get back into form. But... I think there's sometimes where Salah does go for goal more often than he should. And, you know, you can see that against West Ham. There's, he misses the one-on-one against Fabianski. And then I think then he thinks he's got to make up for it. He's got to score. And I think that sometimes just clouds his judgment a little bit when, when he should play the ball off and, and when he should score. But you're talking about a title charge here. And as, and as much as the front three of Diaz, Mane and Jota would it can do the job against Brighton. It can do the job against pretty much every team in the Premier League. I think it would even give City some problems. Um, I still think you have to keep Mo Salah in though because yeah. you know at the end of the day, it's Mo Salah. And if the ball falls to anyone inside that 18-yard box, it's there's no other player I'd want swiping his left foot at it than, uh, than Mo Salah. 
And Thiago obviously was back yesterday. Um, a little bit of a surprise, I think, seeing go straight back into starting 11, but I guess that kind of emphasises how highly Klopp values him. Um, and all Liverpool fans know what he brings to the table. We were all a bit worried after that, after the cup final, weren't we, about how long this injury would be. But, you know, just over a week later and, and he's back in. Um, just how important is it that he... I know it's kind of impossible to keep him fit for every absolutely every game just because of the nature of the player he is and and his body over the years when he's playing in but for Bayern Munich as well we, he very rarely played you know every single game but by managing his minutes how important could he be for Liverpool going for all the remaining trophies that we're, we're going for? I think he's he's the difference between just coming away with a Carabao Cup and or coming away with another three or even another two, I think he's he's the most naturally gifted player in the squad. I mean, again, last night you see him playing some passes and dropping the shoulder and there's just something that, he's just got something that no other player in, in the Liverpool team's got. I mean, Liverpool's team isn't the most technically gifted in terms of natural ability on the ball and taking a you know, taking a man on, you know, we've always said Fabinho and Henderson are very robust. They'll do a job. They'll they'll break passes of play up and they'll play the ball off when they need to. Um, but to have, you know, a player like Thiago in the team who played for Barcelona, Bayern Munich, when all the trophies he's won, was very much in demand before Liverpool signed him. Obviously, I think if you listen to reports, City took a look at him, United took a look at him. Uh, beforehand and you know Liverpool managed to get the deal over the line but I think if you get somebody like that who can just add a completely different dimension to Liverpool's midfield um, he, he takes the weight off Trent and Andy Robertson to create as much as they do down the, down the sides he sort of acts as the Liverpool playmaker really um, I think it just adds like I said a different dimension midfield the central midfielders of opposition start dropping a little bit deeper. They don't know whether to come, whether to go, because he could just knock the ball around you at will. Um, and I, you know he's definitely in the top three gifted, you know, best midfielders in the Premier League at the moment, um, just in terms of natural ability. And like I said, he's he's very much the difference maker between winning one trophy or coming away with with more with more at the end of the season. Someone else I think I'd just like to to highlight um, for their performances over the past couple of games has been uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, obviously. We know what he's all about. We know what his game is, how good he is going forward and, uh, and crossing and, and creating chances. But in the last couple of games, his defensive ability has really kind of shined, really, because they've been cagey matches against two really good teams on West Ham and obviously Inter Milan last night. Um, and just a few moments where I think his defending has seemed to have not came on, because I think it's a bit of a myth anyway. People say, you know, he can't defend. But... He just looks a lot more accomplished and going, you know, the other way, a little bit more settled and secure than, than usual. And I think, I don't know if it's something he's been working on or, or, or what, but it's a part of his game that I think is just really underrated, particularly his positioning and, and his reading of the, of, of the ball. I think, you know, we've, we've often said that rival fans get it so wrong with Trent um, saying he can't defend. He can't he can defend. I just think we're seeing the best of Trent Liverpool now have a, a solid back four, which they didn't have last season. Um, I think he's pretty comfortable. Whoever plays next to him, whether that be um, Matip, whether that be Canate, you know, I think he's I think he's pretty happy um, with either of them. Um, 
I, th- I do think that helps. I, th- I think for the way he he plays, the way he pushes on, he's got to have a lot of faith in that person who plays alongside him down that right hand side for Liverpool. Um, and and I, I I just think that definitely helps. I, I just think his confidence is brewing at the moment. He's you know another assist on on Saturday for the goal, so we're seeing the best of him going forwards. And then obviously the clearance off the line against West Ham and last night again. Thought he was brilliant. Um, it, it's the trend that you know me and you have spoken about so many times that we know we can defend. Yes, he's not the greatest defender at right back, but he is still a top top right back um, in terms of going forward and and going back. I don't think there's anyone like him who can give you what he gives you in in the two different you know ways he has to play. Like I say, going forward and going back. And, you know, and long may it continue because, you know, it only benefits us. And I think he's just turning into one of Liverpool's most important players. Yeah, he's so unique, isn't he, in that sense. But next up, obviously, it's quite a big week for Liverpool. Again, every week at the moment seems to be quite a big week for Liverpool, doesn't it? But two league games, Brighton and, and Arsenal. And then, you know, there's the cup game, which I guess you could say offers a little bit of respite in terms of squad rotation, etc. But... First up, it's Brighton away on Saturday. Um, a team that I think Liverpool have maybe struggled against a little bit in recent history. Obviously, a draw at Anfield this season. Um, I don't think we beat them last season in either fixture. Obviously, there's different circumstances surrounding, surrounding the injury, etc. last year. But but yeah, well, what are we expecting from, from this game? Brighton have had a you know overall a fantastic season, probably their best top flight season. Well, probably ever, definitely in the Premier League, um, Premier League era, but they've dropped off a little bit in the last few weeks. They've dropped into the into the bottom half, um, but this will be a tough one. Yeah, it's going to be a massive game. Um, like you said, we went there last year um, and only got a, came away with a 1-1 draw, two dodgy VAR decisions against Liverpool. Obviously, they get the penalty through an apparent foul off Andy Robertson and Salah gets the offside and we all know what happened. Last season at home, they were involved in that run. Liverpool obviously lost the consecutive games in a row. I think the fact that Brighton have gone four games without picking up any points is obviously a danger point for Liverpool because you expect Brighton to come out and fight it. I think the way that Graham Potter plays, especially against the big teams, I think obviously often gives the big teams something more to think about because they don't sit back, they don't sit deep. They're not compact. They are quite expansive when they've got the ball and when they haven't got the ball. And I think um, I won't be expecting Liverpool to, to dominate the possession and, and have their own way in this game. Like you said, we were 2-0 up at Anfield earlier in the season and yeah. only came away with a 2-2 draw. They've had a full week's rest, obviously, since getting beat by Newcastle. Um, we've had Champions League games to to go with. So, And then, like you said, another game against Arsenal, the game in hand for having the Carabao Cup final. Um, I'm, I'm expecting another cagey game, but I think this is sometimes the games where Liverpool thrive, where they're not favoured to, to win by two, three goals. And you see the grittiness that this team's gotten. You know, I think they are more than capable to, to come away with all the three points. They definitely are, but I just don't think Liverpool are going to have their own way in this game. But, but we could easily you know, go and win 4-0. It's it's going to be one of them games. Yeah, it's one you'd, you'd think, wouldn't you, that the, the Brighton style of play, you mentioned that expansive nature, um, would suit Liverpool in a way because 
you know, traditionally under Klopp, the teams that Liverpool would have struggled against have been those kind of low block, sit deep, defend, four men behind the ball type of teams, which Brighton definitely aren't. Um, we've seen very recently against Leeds where if a team comes out and taxes what damage we can do, but I don't think anyone thinks that Brighton will be as naive or um, <laughs> as stubborn, I guess, as Leeds and Bielsa are in, in that sense or were in that sense. Um, but I guess more than anything, it's about keeping your foot on the gas at this point of the season as well. As you mentioned in the, in the, in the Anfield fixture, you go 2-0 up. I think we conceded a pretty outstanding goal from Mwepu, um to make it 2-1 before half-time, but then didn't really... Put our, you know, grab the game by its, the scruff of its neck in the second half, and obviously, you go, you can see the equaliser, and it was pretty underwhelming, really. And that those are the type of games that can cost you titles ultimately. Um, so, more than anything, would you say that, as well as having to deal with all of Brighton's, you know, threat, it's about not letting up, being one hundred percent focused, and just getting the job done and and, and staying on it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just treating every team the exact same. No fixture is bigger than, than any other now. It's coming up to the end of the season and, and you're going for domestic glory. It's every game, you know, all of a sudden becomes a cup final. I mean, we're going to be playing at half 12, which I don't think a great kickoff time to Liverpool, if I, if I remember correctly. We don't seem to do too well away from home at, on half 12 games, especially after European games. Um and then it's pressure onto Manchester City. They've got to then perform. They're going to see potentially Liverpool close the gap again to three points with a game in hand. And it's just all about applying that pressure. Whenever Liverpool are playing before Manchester City, you've got to go out and get that win and give them something to think about. And listen, that, that's just where it, where we are at the moment. You know, To go from 14 points behind what we were a couple of weeks ago to six points behind with a game in hand, um, it's absolutely ridiculous for what this team has, has managed to do the last couple of weeks. And it's just all about riding that wave, carrying on the momentum. And like I said, just tr- treating Brighton as if we would against Manchester City. Don't take your foot off the gas, as you said. And and uh, just try and get over that line because one of the two teams is going to slip up and you've just got to do everything you can to make sure it's not it's not yourself. And how big a week in the, in the story of Liverpool's you know, Premier League title charge could this be? Because as well as, you know, you've got two away fixtures, Brighton and Arsenal, pretty tricky away fixtures on paper. You probably couldn't pick, you know, two more difficult ones other than going for, you know, Man City and Chelsea. Arsenal in really good form at the moment as well. Um, City go away to Crystal Palace on the Monday night. That's not a guaranteed three points. We know that Vieira's done a great job. Um, at Palace and I think Palace have done a decent job over the years against City generally they've got quite you know an okay-ish record compared to to most teams haven't they against Did them they but... beat them 2-0 earlier in the season I think so 2-0 yeah 2-0 at the Etihad yeah um, so there's that element as well so it could go one of two ways you could have if Liverpool win both those games six points adds the pressure on City drop points as well not you know in theory Liverpool could could be top of the league by by the end of the next weekend. But the other way, a couple of points dropped, <laughs> it could look like the title is completely gone because I think Liverpool's running is far more difficult than City's. I think on paper, we've still got to play, obviously, Arsenal, we've still got to play Man United, we've still got the Derby, you know, that Everton are up to much at the moment, but a Derby's a Derby. Whereas City's form, um, running, sorry, 
I think it's a lot of, of teams in the bottom half you'd expect them to just blow away. So this week seems to me like a big one. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think the fixtures are running out to sort of say, you know, if City slip up this week or if they slip up next week, I think we're getting past that point now. And it could, as, as many people have been saying, it could just come down to that final game, Liverpool versus City, with I think we play them with four games to go. Yeah. Uh, there's not many games left after we play each other. And like you said, they've got Palace and then Burnley and then it's us. And then they're running after that. Wolves, Watford, Leeds, Newcastle, West Ham, Villa. It's, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, I think it's a defining week for Liverpool now up until next weekend. Like you said, we've got the cup, but I think if Liverpool can come away with six weeks, uh, not six weeks, six points out of these next two games, I think you've got to seriously consider Liverpool pipping City to the, because like you said, Crystal Palace this season have been so hot and cold and, and they're just coming into form at the right time. They've got a couple of good results. Yeah, they, they beat Watford at home. Um, they beat Burnley at home. Um, so, the, you know, the, the, and yeah, Wolves away, which Wolves have been flying this season. So to go there and to keep a clean sheet, um, I think obviously Diaz being injured for City, you've got Zaha, Release has probably been the best young player in the Premier League this season. He's just been unbelievable. Um, it could be a banana skin for them. Selhurst Park. I mean, the supporters down there, the, that stadium's bouncing at times. I mean, they've not been to Selhurst Park, but when they've come up to Anfield and, and I've been to the game, they just don't stop all game. They are some of the best fans in the league. And, you know, if you can unsettle them, unnerve them, create a couple of chances early, you never know. But I think this is probably maybe the last week where Liverpool, the hopes of City dropping points before they play us, definitely. This is definitely the last week for that. Yeah, I think by the time we're recording next week's podcast, the mood will be one way or the other. I feel like there's no... (laughs) Very interesting to see. Um, So in terms of the team against Brighton, obviously, like we say, we've got the Arsenal fixture three or four days later away at the Emirates on, on the Wednesday night. It's it don't want to say should we rotate obviously because you need to go strong in every game but could we see a few surprises in the team section do you think with, with one eye on, the, on that game against the Emirates or do you think it would be pretty much as you were with your your standard back four Matip and Van Dijk and then your, your midfield which you imagine would be your Fabinho, Henderson, Thiago and then your, your usual front three. I have a feeling Canate might come back into the team um, obviously he wasn't involved in the squad at all last night he, he was left at home and I was speaking to somebody about this before at work. I think Matip, the last couple of games, we spoke about it um, not too long ago about the, the form of Matip. Just little errors are just starting to creep in. The the, you know, the sloppy ball to give away. I know it was a wonder strike, but it's his pass that was nowhere near Trent. I don't know who it was intended for. Um, so I think Canate's completely exceeded everyone's expectations this season when he's played. So I'd probably throw him back in. Um, he'll be fresh. Um, and I'd be tempted to give Jota a bit of a rest. Um, obviously, came back from injury for the cup final, um, came on late in that game. Um, I, I just think you've got to be careful with rushing players back from injuries and giving them too many minutes. I mean, he looked okay in glimpses last night, but he didn't really have an overall impact in the game. So I would like to see a, 
Mane and Salah front three. And then I think the midfield at this point probably just picks itself of Henderson, Thiago and Fabinho. If I was going to drop anyone from that midfield, it probably be Henderson for someone like a, a Naby or Harvey Elliott. But I, think... I wouldn't. I wonder if he'll go if he'll give Thiago a rest just because managing his minutes could be extremely important this season. I wonder if it might be a Fabinho, Henderson, Naby free. We've seen a few times this season Thiago, you know, be benched for games here and there, and with Arsenal. That's the not the bigger of the two games because obviously every game's big, but on paper is the is the harder one. Yeah, I completely forgot to factor in the the injury prone Tiago. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean this is the thing. You just said take Tiago out, well then just bring Naby, and this is I think where Liverpool are at at the moment. This is Liverpool at its best. It's full strength. No one's injured. Everyone's back. Um, so I think any midfield three that they to go with, we all, well, I think anyone will be happy with as well. But as long as that front three, whether you've got Mane, Jota, Salah, or Salah, Diaz, Mane, or whichever way, it's going to cause problems for Brighton. And I think the way Brighton, like I said, the way they play, I think we could see the goal drought, as everyone keeps calling it for Liverpool. I think we could potentially see that come to an end. If the game goes as we expect Brighton come out to play, Liverpool get an early goal, then, then obviously it makes it a lot easier. I expect Firmino potentially to get some minutes off the bench as well. He wasn't involved last night again. Obviously, he's had this this injury, but I think he's been back in training this week. So, if he if he makes the squad potentially off the bench, it'd be good to see him get some minutes into his legs because we know you know how important he he has been to this squad over the years. Yeah, I think depending on how the game's going, um, I think it depends on how early or or when we see Firmino. I think Liverpool are two 0 up with twenty five minutes to go, half an hour to go. Then. I'm sure Jurgen Klopp would bring him on because, like you say, we've got Arsenal next game. And then I think they'll be targeting the the Notts Forest game and the FA Cup as a game where he can get 90 minutes under his belt and and, yeah. and, and that's where he can get his fitness levels up again. Um, so, like I said, it'd be great to see him. I think we've seen him shine at times again this season and do Bobby things. But I think it all just comes down to where Liverpool are in the game. I think if they're chasing the game, I don't think he's probably the right person to come on, given he hasn't played enough minutes recently um, and his injury issues this season. But if Liverpool are cruising in the game, then then by all means throw him on because a player like Firmino is, like you said, going into the, the last couple of games of the season now, and you you know you're into the last two months really. You know it's going it's you need every player you've got available really. And just finally, before we go, obviously um, Klopp's comments. This week, again, he's, he's flagged up the five substitution um, issue, which we've seen you know, numerous times, probably since you know the pandemic started and they introduced five subs um, back in 2020. They obviously taken it, removed that option once um, the pandemic not was over, but once the new season started and there wasn't as many games needed to be congested to a short period of time, that, that was removed. But it's something that has remained in Europe. Um, I think every major European league still has five substitutes other than the Premier League at the moment. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that even the EFL um, still have five subs in, in the Championship and beyond. Um, it's something that I think gets jumped on a lot when Jurgen Klopp says something like this, because you get the usual dinosaur football fans who are saying, you know, how much money they get. Um, you've got, you spend this much money on players, you should use your squad, etc., etc. Um, and I think those issues are a little bit 
they're not really that relevant because I think what Klopp's point is obviously a lot about player fitness and player safety. A lot of games, I think footballers these days play a lot more games than they used to, even even 10 years ago. Um, International tournaments are being expanded. Champions League has been expanded in a couple of years to include more teams, which is going to include more games, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just wondering where you stand on this, really, because for me, it's really difficult because I see what Klopp's arguments are. And when it's an issue of player safety, it's kind of hard to argue with. But at the same time, I just think of the example that if Man City, for example, in a hypothetical situation, are away at a Burnley or a Watford or a Norwich, someone down the bottom of the league, and they're able to just bring on five superstar internationals, it massively it massively alters the deck in favour of the bigger teams, I think this five substitution thing is. So while obviously player safety is, is number one, I'm just a bit wary of the big teams, and that includes Liverpool, obviously, because we're, we're fortunate to be one of those elite teams at the moment. They always get the decisions. It always, everything always goes their way. Even when we had the Super League and we had these six clubs trying to break away, there wasn't really any proper ramifications or any real punishment other than a fine that doesn't really mean much to the owners of these clubs. And this issue of substitutes, again, that's being brought up, and I'm, I'm not sure if it, if it's going to be looked at again in the summer. I think they always kind of look at these type of things when the season's done. But I just wonder if it does come in, it, it, it's just going to favour the, the big teams again. And the thing we love about football is that the fact that a Burnley or a Norwich can beat a Man City or even a, a Liverpool, even though we hate to see that. But <laughs> but I'm just wondering what, what your view is on it. I think it is, like you said, it is a tough one because I mean, I've seen it, the, the, the meltdown when you know Klopp gets quoted on, on Twitter, especially. And I do get the point, you know, there's teams of, of Crystal Palace, Brighton, um, etc., who were saying, you know, it's obviously going to benefit the bigger teams. You know, City can bring Bernardo Silva, Foden, Grealish, Mares, and Jesus on in, in, in one game if they really wanted to. Yeah. Liverpool can bring Diaz, Origi, Thiago, Javi Elliott, and Naby Keita if they wanted to. So I, I do get the whole, and I do think it will disadvantage the, the smaller teams. I think we won't have to talk about squad rotation as much because you're going to be able to bring an extra two players on. Um, I think what Klopp's just trying to get across is the point of the option to make five substitutions. I don't think, because even when the five substitution rule was in, like you said, after we came back from the pandemic on Project Restart and the season behind closed doors, not every team had to make the five substitutions. The the extra two substitutions were just there if you feel they are required. Um, But I think Klopp's sort of looking at it as Liverpool are in They've got to one cup final. They're in two quarterfinals of another cup competition. Through no fault of their own, through obviously Leeds cancelled a game. We had the, the, so that game's been rescheduled. So then you've got more midweek games. And you then Liverpool had this issue last year where players were injured and we were having to play Henderson at centre back. I, I just think he's a little bit wary of. And just letting the fans know that you can't demand that these set of players play week in, week out and play to the highest level um, or else you are going to get injuries, you are going to get fatigue. Um, I think that's just what it is. I think he's just looking at it as a manager who, who is competing in all four competitions at full strength. 
is he just doesn't want to go back to where he was last year where everyone was injured and he was having to go over to the youth team and ask if there was any spare players to, to play at centre-half, basically. But I do think you've got to be very careful with it because you are going to get these smaller teams. And like you said, you know, when Norwich were up two seasons ago, they beat Man City at home. And I think that, that these shock results that you do see they'll become more and more rare. And I think you've got to keep the league as, as competitive um, as you can. Um, you know, Liverpool, we want City to drop points. We don't want them to be bringing too much, like you said, two more superstars on. Um, I think the furthest way is just to keep it at the three. That's my personal. If, if you want furnace up and down the league, you've got to keep it at the three. If you're worried about play safety, it, it, this is where the play safety comes in because not every team gets that far into cup competitions. Yeah, We've seen are. the likes of Leicester get knocked out early on in, in the Europa League and other playing in the, in the Conference League now. They got knocked out early in the Carabao Cup by, by us. They're out of the FA Cup. So they'd still have another two substitution spur and only playing once a week in reality. Mm. Um, I, I just think, yeah, keep it at the three. It, it, keeps it at a level, play, level playing field. And like you said, it stops all these dinosaurs on Twitter having a needless go at Jurgen Klopp because he's not the only one to mention it. No. Thomas Tuchel mentions it all the time. Guardiola mentions it all the time. And these squads are worth twice the amount of Liverpool squads. So I just think everybody just puts Klopp's name on, on these quotes and it just gets clicks, doesn't it? It gets interactions and that's what social media is all about these days. Yeah, there's a perception, isn't there, that somehow Klopp's gained a, a reputation among the social media fans of rival fans as being, you know, moans about everything, complains about everything. Um, but in reality, like you say, Guardiola's mentioned it, Tuchel's mentioned it. I'm pretty sure Brendan Rodgers has mentioned it at Leicester as well. Um, one or two of his... And and, and Rogers is up, but Rogers has only mentioned it now because he's got he's going through an injury crisis. Whereas yeah. last year, when he had a fully fit squad, didn't really hear him mention anything then either. So, and I think the thing is with with it is that you know obviously this, this kind of stuff is all for like you say clicks and uh, and engagement and stuff like that. But we'll see what they what they decide if they decide in the summer. They'll probably rule against it again because I think they need every club to or at least a majority of clubs and they'll probably just be the top six that, that, that vote for it, or top six seven clubs that vote for it and um, the, the only other issue is that when it comes to like European competition um, I guess the English clubs are slightly more disadvantaged because you like so you buy Munich Real Madrid PSG in their domestic leagues they're able to rest more players because they can make five subs and if PSG have you know <laughs> they've won a game 3-0 against non or to lose or someone after 60 minutes they can just bring off Neymar and and Bappe Messi and Di Maria or whoever and they, they've got the option to, to rest more people for the for the actual game that has more value to them whereas English clubs we can only do free and that's the other argument is that we're kind of damaging the English clubs chances against European opposition because they get to rest more players than we do yeah, yeah, that's another thing, especially when you go deep into the Champions League. Like you said, if PSG or, or Bayern Munich are 3-0 up at home against whoever they're playing and they can bring a Lewandowski off and bring a Kingsley Coleman off and a Leroy Sané, obviously it, it benefits them. But 
I just think now, especially with Liverpool and Man City, we are seeing a clear division between them two and the rest. Of, I know Chelsea were talked about as title challenges and, and the wheels have come off before Christmas and after Christmas. But there is a clear divide between the top two and the rest of the Premier League. And I think the best thing for the for everyone, especially during the Super League, was saying the integrity of the Premier League. Yeah. I, I think they need to close that gap as much as they can. Um, and that's, like you said, the majority need to vote for it. The majority won't. But I do think it is going to be a topic that comes into play more often, um, especially with a Winter World Cup next year. Yeah. You know, that, that needs to be taken into account for, like you said, the Champions League are going to increase. So from Liverpool used to have, well, you currently have six group stage games. Well, next the next format, you're going to have 10 games as a minimum before you even start getting to knockout games. Yeah. And you, you know, FIFA will probably come up with another tournament like the Nations League and there's more friendlies, there's more it's international breaks every two, three months now that it seems. And like you said, for the teams that are at the bottom of the lower league, bottom or middle of the league, they don't have as many international players go away. So the squads can have the two weeks off. And obviously the top teams have the better players internationally. Um, it swings and roundabouts. You're never going to please anyone. Everyone's going to have something to say. Um, so the only thing to do is just make it as fair as you can. And just, like you said, like I said, just stick with the three for now. But I think as a, as a fan of those teams, like you said, the lower down the table, you've got to, common sense has got to come in as well, where you look at it and you go, Liverpool are playing in all four cup competitions. Every single player in Liverpool squad is an international, really, whether that be under 21s, full international. They're all going away. Common sense has got to come into it where you, you look at how many games these players are playing and, you know, maybe and down the line if the five substitution comes in. Um, but at this moment in time, I, I just stick with the three. I think you've got to got to try and make the league as, the league as competitive as you can, or else a Leicester winning the league again might never happen because other teams are just going to have bigger benches, to, you know, better benches to come off and save the day, really. Yeah, that's it. I think the bigger issue is the congested football calendar internationally more so than the, than this. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a debate for another day. But until <laughs> um, thanks for your time, James, as always. No problem. Good to speak to you as always. Yeah, and we'll be back next week to chat about all of the latest Liverpool goings on. Um, but until then, you can get more from us on Twitter at Anfield underscore Central and on our website, anfieldcentral.co.uk. Um, but until then, thank you and goodbye.